meeting with us in this place. God, we just praise you in advance for everything that you're going to do for us today. God, and we just, I pray that every heart would be open to receive exactly what you have for us. God, that uh, we'd bring that offering of, of praise and thanksgiving to you and receive from you those things that you have, those things that you've ordained for us. God, you knew today that we would be in this place. You knew today what we would need. And you have those things laid up in store for us. My God, we want uh, we want to just turn our vessels uh, up to you to, to catch the rain and, and to fill every vessel. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. So, uh, I hear great things about the prayer meeting Friday. Here I am, the heathen missing church repeatedly. No, I know. No. Uh, at 8 o'clock on Friday, Mike and I were just leaving work in scenic Baser, Kansas. So that's a, a bit of a jaunt. Um, but we're just very, very busy drowning, as it were, in work, which is not a bad problem, I guess, unless you don't like working. I'm mixed feelings about that. Um, but, but God is doing great things. And and it's an amazing thing because we take him with us everywhere we go. And so, uh, you know, whether you're here or whether you're not, God can still minister to you, which is certainly a great comfort to me because all of my children are sick. And uh, and Cynthia's home with the kids today, or, well, our temporary home today with them. So we've got fevers and vomiting and all kinds of fun stuff. So bummer deal. So go with me to uh, Numbers chapter 11. You know, God talks about His Word like a mirror. talks about being able to see yourself in it. And nothing quite like seeing yourself in less than favorable lighting. And... Uh, uh, when I read about the the experiences of the children of Israel in the wilderness, I, I kind of see myself in that not so favorable light. It's like, wow, I, I I could see myself there. I, I could see myself being the the gripey guy there, complaining about the stuff that God's doing because I didn't like it. Uh, in fact, I can think back to examples in my own life where I was indeed that in that very spot, and and God is faithful to get us through those things. You know, you really just can't lose unless you just utterly refuse to let God help you and, and to, to uh, listen to the things that he has to say. And the, uh, the Hebrew, had, they had an interesting uh, little turn of phrase that they used for, uh, or well, that God used talking about him. He said that they pulled away the shoulder. And I thought, wow, that's an interesting way to put it. Because, you know, when somebody wants to say something to you, they know you're upset, and they, you know, they kind of put their hand on your shoulder and you, you know, pull your shoulder away. It's like, no, I don't want to talk to you. You know, and so, you know, unless you get to that place, you really can't lose. You know, God just has this way of getting you where you're going. And sometimes we don't know where it is we're going, but He knows where we're going and He knows how to get there. But here in Numbers, in chapter 11, um, 
they're you know got to settle these things up about how the camp is going to move forward and all these things. And this chapter, I'm not going to start at the beginning, but he talks starts out talking about complaining and how God was most displeased with their complaining. And uh, um, in verse four, it starts talking about this mixed multitude, which I find interesting. These people that left Egypt with Israel that weren't really necessarily part of Israel. And it says in 4, the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, who should give us flesh to eat? So this this problem seems to begin then with this mixed multitude, this, this hangers-on kind of people that are... They, they saw what God did to Egypt and they thought, well, this would certainly be better than staying here. I'm going to go with those guys. Uh, it seems like a good idea. But I think we all know, have encountered people in our life that uh, you know, they, they receive the, that message of the gospel and they're happy about it and they come along and then when it doesn't turn out quite like they thought it did or like they thought it would and it wasn't this easy, fairy dusty kind of thing, then they kind of lose interest in it and they kind of kind of fall away. So, so this mixed multitude then, uh, they they wanted to come come where Israel was going, and they've already been through a, a fair amount of unpleasant experiences, and and now here they um, they they begin to complain, so that they lusted the lust, they they wanted something that they didn't have, and uh, and it created turmoil in the in the children of Israel. Like yeah, it's like what? Yeah, that that that's right. Why why don't we have that? And so in verse five he says, "We remember the fish, which we did eat in Egypt freely, and the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks, and the onions and the garlic. And who would miss those? And now our soul is dried away, and there is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. So they're 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 not happy about this thing that God's giving them. And it's like, well, this isn't quite what I wanted." You know, and the great thing about God is is He's such a wise Father that He gives us maybe not so much what we want, but what we need. And there's lots of times my kids want things, and I would love to give it to them, but I know it's a bad idea. Um, uh, Bobby had this case of energy drinks under this little chair in the kitchen, and uh, uh, the kids were all asking, can I have one of those? I'm like, no. No, 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 no. Those are not for children. I'm not sure they're for adults. <laughs> I, I have been known to drink them on occasion, but uh, they're not the greatest for you. And I'm just picturing, you know, my energetic kids on this overload of stimulants. But, uh, you know, I think that's why God made tea. That's why God made coffee. There's plenty enough in there, and if there's not enough caffeine, just drink more. <laughs> so, uh, so they're unhappy about the manna, and they're they're complaining about that, and they want they want flesh, and who doesn't want to eat meat? I mean, you know, I I grew up with a rather strange diet, and I was rather picky. I didn't eat a lot of meat, and uh, and I got I grew up and I got married. And my wife taught me that a meal is not a meal if it does not have meat. 
and my wallet squealed. I said, okay, you could do that. But here we are, 17 years down the road, and a meal is not a meal without meat. Like, like, give me some some pork sizzling on the grill, you know, and you know some asparagus, and some rice, or or some I don't know, pasta or something. But anyway, so they're they're not they're unhappy with this this provision that God's given them that is certainly sufficient, but it's not quite what they wanted. And so they go complaining to Moses about this stuff, and Moses has kind of had enough at this point, I think, and he comes to God and he says, just kill me now. You know, I, I've, I've had about enough. It's like, why have you done this to me, putting all these people under my care? It was really quite unpleasant. And so, of course, God, uh, he, he, he takes that spirit that's on Moses and he spreads it out onto these, these elders throughout the camp and everything to, to take some of that burden off Moses because God is brilliant like that. Because even if your shoulders are really broad, eventually they get full. Uh, and uh, in fact, you know, early on uh, Jethro came and uh, he's like, you know, you don't have time to deal with all these little nitpicky things. You have millions of people you're dealing with here. And uh, it's funny because my kids have this little Bible that's like set up like a comic book kind of. And uh, Jethro's watching Moses deal with all these nitpicky things and he's thinking, this is remarkably inefficient. And I was like, yeah, that's a great way to put it. This is remarkably inefficient. So, and as you know, when you have children, you, you, you hope to teach them those things. It's like, okay, this, you know, yes, I've taught you to bring this to me, but please, please figure out how to work through this without intervention. But anyway, he says, um, okay, and I'm going to go down to 18. Uh, say that of the people, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, and you shall eat flesh. For you have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you flesh, and you shall eat. And you shall not eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, neither ten days, nor twenty days, but a whole month until it come out at your nostrils, and it be loathsome unto you, because you have despised the Lord which is among you, and have wept before him, saying, Why came we forth out of Egypt? So it's an interesting thing there because he, he indeed gives them what they want. You know, in, in, in the Psalms, he said that he gave them their request, but he sent leanness into their soul. And so you know, the earthly things, they satisfy for a while, but you always find yourself wanting something else. Um, you, know, you, you see that a lot when you, you start listening to things that uh, like successful people have done, and they, a lot of times they, they achieved this goal and then they just kind of got depressed because they, they found that having pressed towards this goal, they had a purpose. But then once they attained their purpose, then they had no purpose. And when you have no purpose, your life is just empty. And, and uh, I actually kind of came to that conclusion when I was younger because I would always daydream about being you know, wealthy and successful and all these things. And, and, uh, and I would have this goal in mind as I worked my way through this daydream. And then I would get to that goal and in the dream, and I would think, but then what? It's like, you know, without without that purpose of God in your life, then there, you're always left with, and then what? And so God God knows how to satisfy those things. And so so God is, is He said, okay, you want flesh? I'll give you flesh until you've had enough of the flesh. 
And so Moses says, The people among whom I am are 600,000 footmen, and you have said, I will give them flesh that they may eat a whole month. Shall the flocks and the herds be slain for them to suffice them? And shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to suffice them? And the Lord said to Moses, Is the Lord's hand waxed short? Thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. And I like that statement. Because uh, Moses is looking at what he can see, looking around, and he's thinking, well, sure, we could kill all the flocks and feed everybody, but then what? Then we have no flocks. Then we have no, no milk. We have no anything. You know, or whatever it is that they do, but... He uh, he's looking for some sort of uh, physical means to see how would God do this thing that He said He's going to do. Uh, but you know, at the very beginning of His Bible, God says, "Let there be light," and there's light. No physical means. There was no sun. There's just light because He said, "Let there be light," and so there was. And so, so Moses is looking. He's looking down here, and God's saying, well, why don't you look up here? Because my my hand is not short. I And, and I like how he says, you'll see whether my word come to pass or not. So he's like, I'm, I'm going to prove this to you. You, you don't think this is going to happen. This is going to happen, and you're going to see it happen. But God is very wise the way he does those things. Go with me to Genesis 18. You know, it's funny because even when you know better, you have a tendency to take the way that you think and project it on God uh, because nobody likes to have people not believe what they said or think, yeah, you can't do that. I don't think you could really do that. You know, it's like how many of you had that friend? It's like, hey, do you think I could, you know, throw this football over the house or whatever? Like, I'm sure you can. Or no, I don't think you can. You know, but that sense of, you know, you tell somebody you're going to do something and they don't believe you, they don't think you could or that you would, it's, it's, a, it's a frustrating type of feeling. And, of course, God is, is not so much like you or I. But I can't read that passage in Numbers without this sense of irritation. Of It's like, you, you don't think I can do this? You'll see whether or not I can do this. Uh, and here's another uh, example I really uh, like of the same kind of concept in Genesis 18. Uh, you know, the, he's he's hanging out at the tent, and uh, you know, who knows what he was? He's just sitting there thinking, meditating. I don't know. And these men come. It says the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent in the door in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and he looked and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and he bowed himself to the ground. And he said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. But let a little water, I pray you, be fetched. And wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. And after that you shall pass on. For therefore you are come to your servant. And they said, So do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah, and he said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, make cakes on the hearth. And Abraham ran to the herd, fetched a calf tender and good, and gave it to a young man, and he hastened to dress it. 
And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed, and he set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. And they said to him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, she's in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto you according to the time of life. Okay, so this must not be some man then. You know, just to make this kind of statement. He says, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I have a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee, according to the time of life. And Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. And so here we have this same sort of deal again. You know, Abraham and Sarah, or well, actually just Sarah, really, here is looking around thinking, um, I don't know how you think Abraham and I would have a child. We've kind of been down that road for decades now, and it's just not happening. And and so he he comes, God comes and brings this promise, and he says, this is going to happen. And... uh and the great thing about about this circumstance is that Abraham and Sarah can't do it. I mean, she's right in in that sense of well, this this ain't happening. But that's the glory of God that uh, that it's not too hard for him. That's the question he asks. Is says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Which is a great thing because I have encountered some things that I thought were too difficult, and I just kind of threw my hands up. And and walked away. When I was uh, young and impetuous, I uh, remember laying in the snow working on my car, which you know who doesn't love that. And uh, I had taken my car somewhere to have the oil changed, and when they put it on the bolt back in, they used an impact wrench and they cross threaded it, so it was not coming out. And you know you can get so much leverage when you're you know working under a car and you have no ramps to put them on because of course I didn't I was I was in my early American poverty stage and uh, I didn't even have a curb to pull it up on so uh, I was living large in the trailer park and so I am cranking on this thing for all I'm worth and it is not going anywhere I'm, I'm starting to tear up the the bolt where you get a hold of it now and I'm getting really, really frustrated with this thing. And I throw this wrench out into the snow. It disappeared. I thought, well, I'll find it in the spring. And no. I thought, surely, if nothing else, I'll find it with the lawnmower in the spring. No, it was just vanished. You know, I, I, I grew up watching my dad, well, in passing, watching him work on the car. It never interested me. Uh, eventually, uh, he was forbidden to work on vehicles for that same reason. And uh, so, uh, you know, working on cars is a lot of fun, especially when you have that desperation moment. You know, when uh, the first year Cynthia and I were married, the first few months we were married, uh, I worked second shift, and it's around lunchtime, and I think, man, I'm going to change the spark plugs on my car. It's running really bad. And 
they were in there so bad. They were I think they were the original ones that should have been changed and do again already, and they were not coming out. And so then I I I I don't know, I get my car all apart. It's not gonna run right now, and I'm thinking I have to be at work in a couple hours. So that kind of those sorts of things built up into me to I'm going to buy a car that I don't need to work on. And so I did. And I paid through the nose for it, but I still have it. So it's got 241,000 miles on it. It's beginning to get to be a bit of a money pit, but that's okay. Next year. So, so Sarah is looking around, thinking, how, you know, this, this couldn't happen. It, like I, I've been around enough to know that when ladies get old enough, they don't have babies anymore. And I wasn't having babies before that. And and so uh, so she uh, she's looking in the wrong place again, just like Moses did, looking at the flocks and thinking, well, you know, would we kill all the flocks to feed the the people? And so uh, so God calls her on it, which we you know, we all love that. Says, is anything too hard for the Lord? The time of life I will return unto thee according to the time of life. And Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not. She was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. You know, and it's great, because you can't hide anything from God. He knows what you're thinking long before you say it. I talked to the, the children yesterday about the the fruit of your, your mouth and, and how the things that you say, uh, they really go right along with sowing and reaping because like you know when you when you talk all these negative things then you start reaping negative things because as a man thinks in his heart so is he so when you you look at some circumstance and you think well this is a disaster it quickly becomes a disaster and uh and not because the circumstance changes but because the way you're looking at it changes and the way that you're thinking about it changes and and you once once you've made up your mind that this is just simply not going to work it probably isn't going to work but on that same token, you can you can train yourself to think positively, you know. And and everybody has those moments where you get frustrated with something and you think, "Wow, I hate this. This is the dumbest thing that ever was." Uh, but you don't have to say it, and you don't have to keep that thought around. You 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 interrupt yourself. It's like, well, this is no 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 no. This is going to be okay because God knows how to work all this stuff out. I, I had a few different uh, moments this week where I kind of had that meltdown, I wish this had never happened kind of uh, moment. And, uh, of course, Mike was there to hold my hand. And, and, uh, uh, and, but being the good friend that he is, he didn't commiserate with me and be like, I know, everything's terrible. He's like, you know what, we can't afford to act like that. We can't afford to get that frustrated and upset and start talking about how this just is not going to work. There has to be a way to make it work. And so that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna do. I was like, Yeah. Okay. You know, there's something about when somebody just pegs you with something like that and you know they're right and you're still just kinda Like I hate to admit it, I hate it when he's right, but he's right. No, but I was glad that he was right, you know. And then, 
Uh, and so I was kind of mulling over those things, and it's funny because um, um, and this morning I just opened to Proverbs 12, and the first verse says that uh, uh, you know, a wise man loves instruction, but he that hates reproof is brutish. And it just totally stopped me in my tracks because it made me immediately think of the uh, those circumstances that I went through this week, and I thought, wow. Because, you know, that when when somebody reproves you, gently or not, it's, it, it kind of makes you just want to lash out at them a bit. And he's not here for to defend himself, so I'm going to. <laughs> no, no. No, no, I, I, I was glad because, you know, it's like God sent the disciples out by two because you get into a fix like that and it's really great having somebody there that you can bounce those things off of and, and, uh, and, uh, somebody that can take those icky things that you think and say and, and shine the light on them. That's a great thing to have happen. But I read that and I thought, wow, like, brutish. That's a really, Ugly word. Like I, I wouldn't want to be brutish. Do I hate being reproved? Like, okay. Well, in that case, I, I don't want to be that way. So like you know, God, let's change that. You know, because you know, you know, Sarah here, she gets reproved, and she's like, no, I wasn't laughing. It's like, please, honey, don't make this worse. <laughs> like I heard you laughing. I heard what you were thinking. So you don't need to tell me that you you didn't laugh because I know that you did. But that's okay, because as I said, I, sh- I will return. So skip over with me to 21, chapter 21. Yes, it's great having a having a friend that's that's also your neighbor and your coworker and things. You know, I I have my little coffee subscription that shows up, but I don't quite live there yet. So I'm think. <laughs> I'm thinking about this box sitting on my porch with four pounds of amazing coffee beans in it. Like, hey, bro, if I don't make it out of Ottawa this weekend, can you get that for me? You can have a bag. Keep a bag for yourself for your trouble or whatever. And he's like, yeah, Sarah, I've been talking about that. Like, man, bro, I don't know what happened to your coffee. It just keeps not showing up. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So... Yeah, no, they were out having a, a grand time over the weekend, so I, I did make it down there, so I stuffed a bag in between his his screen door and his back door, so if you go by his house, it might still be there. So if you're after it, you could, you could go down there. But anyway, here in 21, I like how this, this starts out. It, it's a great, I mean, because, you know, you have this, this little story about Abraham going into... Uh, into the south and everything and, and running into this problem with Abimelech and everything. But then it comes right back to the story that we were talking about in 18. And he says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived, and she bare Abraham a son in his old age, and at the set time of which God had spoken to him. So it happened just like God said it was going to. And Abraham called the name of his son, which was born to him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old. God commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born. So I like how he kind of hammers home that point of 
this, this was totally me doing this, by the way, just lest you forget, because Abraham and Sarah could have never pulled this off. And Sarah said, God has made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who should have said to Abraham that Sarah should have given his children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. It's a great statement. Who would have said that? Who would have thought? Like, you know, like I, I know we talked about this a few months ago, so I'm stealing it from Ron, but who would have thought? Well, God would have thought. You know, God said it. Said it was going to happen. But it's a precious thing because she she looked at how could this happen. She looked around because we all have those things in our life that where God has told you X, Y, Z. And uh, we all have that tendency to look around at it and to just take a look and think, okay, I, I don't see how that would happen. You know, uh, like like Jordan, for example. If I could use her, for example, she doesn't mind. Like continually saying, where is this knight in shining armor? Like where could he be? Like he was probably nowhere. Matt probably just made up this backstory. He probably just, poof, <laughs> appeared out of thin air a couple years ago. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe he's an angel. I don't know. But, you know, God doesn't need anything to to work with. He, he just, he's this creative God. The, the 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 Psalms talk about him just creating the the stars with the breath of his mouth. Like he just he speaks and it is and it just happens. And so you know, so what about you then? You know, God God just keeps showing us you, you can go to the word, you can go to the people around you. Like if you think God doesn't do the stuff that God does, go find somebody like Jordan and be like, Hey, tell me a little bit about that. And, you know, that goes right back to that training yourself thing about uh, thinking those positive things. You can rehearse those testimonies of the Word of God. That's what they're there for. And you can rehearse those things and, and think, well, okay, so this looks bad. But, you know, God didn't let Moses down. God didn't let Samuel down. God didn't let David down. He's not going to let me down. And and that's just how it works. And so, so he's a great God. Uh, go with me over to Isaiah 55. Um, you know, that's a, I, don't know, I just found that a, a very arresting statement earlier this week when I came across that numbers. Like, uh, like you shall see whether the, my word will come to pass to you or not. I like how he says that because he's going to feed the this whole multitude with the quail. But he says to Moses, you'll see if my word comes to pass to you or not. And so that's it's an interesting thing because God's word is indeed that personal. It's like, you'll, you'll see if this happens to you. And so uh, this seems like a, a great place to wrap it up. I think I actually just read this a few weeks ago, but there is nothing like going back to those great things and going over it one more time. Uh, in verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. And and so, and 
you know, the children of Israel kind of, when they got out into the wilderness, that they kept projecting their ways and their thinking on on God. It's like, okay, so there wasn't any place to bury us in Egypt, so you thought you'd just bring us out here to kill us? Like, uh, like God doesn't think like that, you know. And and you can even see that in the New Testament when these people rejected Jesus at this village, and his disciples were ready to incinerate them. And and Jesus rebukes them. He's like, you know, you, you don't you don't get this. That's not at all what I'm about. That's not what you're about. So, uh, so God is a genius because in this new covenant, He says He's going to put His His laws into your heart and into your mind, and and that's why He says that to let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, because uh, your thinking will get you into trouble. Your, your thinking will will look at those circumstances and come up with the wrong conclusions. Just like his disciples did when they uh, were surrounded by the multitudes. And Jesus says, you know, they haven't eaten anything in a few days. And I really hate to send them away uh, without feeding them first because that's, that's a long walk. And and his disciples, of course, are looking down here. They're looking, they're like, well, what? We could, we could spend everything we've got in the bag if Judas hasn't taken it already. And we could maybe buy a little bit of something for everybody. Uh, or there's this kid here that has like a couple loaves of bread and a couple fish. And that would seem rather pathetic in the face of that much need. But, you know, God doesn't even need that really. I mean, he could have just made it out of nothing. But... uh here they were looking around at their circumstance, thinking, "How is God going to fix this?" You know, and or like, like the disciples in the in the boat on the sea, in the middle of the storm, looking around, "How would God fix this?" He's like, "We're they just wake him up and like we're going to drown." Like, you know, how how could you possibly fix this? Well, I could just tell the water to quit, just tell the wind to stop. You know, I, I'm still working on coming to that place of having that much faith. I've been up on a ladder many a times and shouted, peace be still, and <laughs> the wind still howled around me. But um, we grow into those things, I guess. Or, or maybe God has a, po- a purpose for that adversity. I don't know. One or the other. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts higher than your thoughts. And that's a great thing. Because if His love was like your love or like my love, there would be no place called Calvary. You know, and so, uh, you know, uh, human love reaches this stopping place. Uh, and, but this, this love of God has no stopping place. And and so that's a precious thing, because uh, his his ways are not your ways. You know, uh, men will give you their word, and and they may they may keep it and keep it and keep it and keep it. But when when God gives you His word on something, then you can absolutely count on it, because like He said to Moses, you'll see whether my word will come to pass or not. And that's kind of what Mary did. You know, because the angel comes and tells her this impossible thing. It's like, well, how am I supposed to have a baby if I'm not even married yet? And always leaves my kids scratching their heads. They're like, yeah, how would she? It's like, well, because this is God doing this. And uh, uh, and it said that, you know, she, she said, okay, well, so be it then. 
And so she just took this impossible thing and just thought, well, then, well, if God says He's going to do it, then God would do it. And then they bring Jesus to the temple and Simeon prophesies all this stuff over Jesus and, and it said that Mary kept those things in her heart. So, it's like she didn't, it's like she didn't say anything about it, good or bad. She just thought, okay, well, let's, we'll, we'll see how that happens. And I think we all have those experiences where it's like, well, I feel like God showed me that this is going to happen. I'm not sure if it was him or not. But you can usually just wait and find out. Because if it was God, it's going to happen just like that. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither, but waters the earth, makes it to bring forth and bud so that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Excuse me. So, there it is. He's like, I, I, I bring that word out. You know, when it rains and rains and rains, your grass will just grow. I, I had my house for three weeks, and I still have not had a chance to, uh, to mow the grass yet. And... Uh, it's, you know, I'm beginning to wonder if I might find Dr. Livingston in there somewhere, you know, and uh, uh, who knows what's in those in that tall grass, but uh, it rains, the grass grows, and, and, and in fact, you know, it snows all winter long, and you have all this snow on the ground, and then in the springtime, your grass just springs up, and it's all bright green, all the stuff that the soil received from that snow, and so it's and it's just like that. The the grass doesn't try really hard to grow, and uh, and all this stuff. It just grows because the that rain just comes down on it and it just soaks it up. And so God's word is just that simple to us. You you receive it. You just receive it. I mean, if He tells you to do something, then by all means. You must, but but um, his word has creative power, and so he he speaks. Uh, he I mean he spoke the universe into an existence, and maybe that's what all those people at the university are talking about when they say there was a big bang, because I'd imagine it thundered. <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, his word just it just happens, and and. Uh, and in, you know, if you don't fight him on it, if you just kind of wait and see, and and just trust him that that he's got your best interests in mind, and that what he says will most surely come to pass, then you'll see whether or not his his word will come to pass to you or not. So Jesus, we thank you for your word to us, for your great faithfulness and love. And God, we just uh, pray that uh, every heart. Uh, would be open to receive from you today those things that you have for us. God, that, that that rain would come down in this place, and that we'd fill every vessel, and that we would receive it, God, in that just like you said here in Isaiah, God, that um, as that rain comes down, God, that it would just, that it would nourish us, and that we would uh, soak it up and grow in you, and, and become more like you and become uh, more of what you have ordained us to be because your word has ordained those things to be in us. 
and and every person in this place is wanting to cooperate with you in the things that you're doing and receiving it to ourselves just like Mary did. And so today, God, we uh, we trust you, God, and, and we are looking forward to seeing that indeed your word will come to pass to us. And we just glorify you and we just pray for your perfect will in this place today as only your spirit can do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. All right.